Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. This is Katie, and I am hanging on by a thread, everybody. Miss Sarah here had to wake my ass up for this podcast episode, and that has never once happened. And we have, what, 270 episodes? I mean, we've been recording since 2018, so, and this has never, ever happened. (laughs) I've woken up at, like, 4 or 5 a.m. for Sarah. I know. Y'all... It's 9 a.m. And she, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I slept in so late. But anyways, that's where I'm at. Hello. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) Hello and good morning. And it was funny, too, because Katie's always like, she's so structured with the scheduling and with the podcast. So every time we record, she always messaged like, and again, this has been over five years now. She always messaged like, hey, are we still good to record? Like, I'll talk to you in a few minutes every time. And then today... (laughs) told it to Katie and the story a few times but like at two o'clock today I was like oh shit we have a friend coming around mama's gonna get loose and drink some cocktails so I was like let me get my little wine spitzer and then this was at two o'clock and my husband was like and you're recording today and I was like fuck yes I'm recording I totally forgot about that and I was like oh it's okay one will be fine so had my little spritzer and I was about to be like, ooh, let's get another one. Let me get either a spritzer or a cider or maybe some, I don't know, Diet Coke and rum. Who who knows? Yellow. And then Greg was like, oh, okay, yeah, but you're recording in five minutes. And I was like, fuck, I'm recording in five minutes. I was like, Katie hasn't messaged me yet. This never happens. She's the like the one that's on top of shit that's always like, we're recording, right? Like, you're on I'm it. Normally, yeah, I'm normally the reminder, like, right? Yeah. You're going to get on your computer. Find your computer, Sarah. Exactly. So the fact that I was like, oh, my God. And then I came up and I was like, still haven't heard from Katie. This is bizarre. And I, like, I left our friend and my husband downstairs with the baby. And I was like, I don't know if we're recording today. Maybe I got mixed up. I don't know. I'm also very tipsy right now. So let's see how this episode goes. I don't know how it will. But we'll see. Luck, lucky you that you can get tipsy off of two wine spritzers. Like, God. No, I'm one. It was one. You have one? Time. It's a full one, though. I poured very generously the wine into Still. it. Um, Still. Because I don't drink anymore. And so now that I do, it's just like, well, one, I'm done. <laughs> one Damn. Done. Nice little cheap date. Let's go. <laughs> cheap date. <laughs> Anyway, we're here. I still have sleep boogers in my eyes, and we are arriving. But the most important detail of today's episode is that we have a very special guest. Hi, Kate. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Longtime listener, first time caller. (laughs) Kate's amazing, and you've been so patient with us. She reached out quite a while ago about being a guest because she has some really awesome insider knowledge. Um, and we've had some trouble like scheduling because of our, you know, our, our schedules and Sarah's been out of the country yeah. and blah, blah. So finally we got you on. So thank you for being patient with us, Kate, but Kate has insider knowledge of the Mormon vaults. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my God. <laughs> When you guys did your first episode, one of my besties sent me your um, Instagram post. Yeah. I was so excited. And so, yeah, oh. I listened to it. And the way you ended it, when you ended it with, and if we can find a whistleblower, maybe we'll have a part two. So that's how you found us was through that episode and someone sent you it on Instagram? Oh, no, I've been listening to you oh. way before that. But my okay. friend sent me that episode in particular because she knows that I used to work there. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, and I've, I've talked about my experience in a couple of different places, nothing in depth. But anytime, like I'm in a bunch of different Facebook groups for some ex-Mormon content. And uh-huh. every time somebody brings up the vault, I'm like, oh, no, you want to know about this? Let me tell you about this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Excited. Yes. So listeners, if you haven't listened, we did cover the Mormon vault. I, I, It was a while ago. I think it was maybe almost 100 episodes ago, but go back and find it and listen to that. But this is even better because now we have someone who worked there in that secret Mormon vault in that's hidden in the mountain. Uh, and 
but I'm just so excited. So what did you do there, Kate? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, what? Sorry. Kate, can I know more about you first? Because I'm oh, very, like, love I need it. to know background first, and then it, like, sets the story for me. I'm one oh, of those people. Okay. So, Kate, tell me about you. Oh, <laughs> like, how much background do you want? <laughs> I mean, whatever you want to give. Like, how are you an ex-Mormon? What's your story? <laughs> Who are you, Kate? Tell me all the things. I was like, I'll try to sum it up, at least within a couple of minutes, because it's, okay. it's a journey, man. Um, so I grew up in the church. Um, both of my grandfathers are converts. Both of my grandmothers are lifers, pioneer stock, mm-hmm. you know, the how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the oldest of four kids, uh, so I was very much like the example Um, I was all in, man. And I never once questioned anything. I, I mean, I was like Laurel class president. Um, oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was like, what else? Oh, I served on the youth council for the stake like early because they didn't have who was 16, who was like, responsible and active enough and so at 15 they were like hey uh so this is a little unconventional but like will you be on the stake youth committee for us because yeah you're so you've got such a great testimony and you're such a great leader (laughs) (laughs) but the stake camp that's a big deal that's That's a huge deal especially for non or like never mows that's a big deal yeah that's yeah the stake encapsulates lots of wards so yeah it's big time <laughs> so she yeah. was like molly mormon times 10 I yeah <laughs> i really was man and like i went to byu i served a mission oh oh wow you your mission cleveland ohio <laughs> oh nice <laughs> temple square you know which, I mean, initially when I got my call, I was like, oh, really? Um, but then I found out that Kirtland was in my mission. Oh, there you go. And well, oh, Damn, not- that's how you know she was a Molly Mormon. The fact that that was what made you excited about <laughs> in Cleveland, Ohio, was that it's close to Kirtland. Yes. Yes. I, I was not a visitor center sister. Um, I was a regular full proselyting sister, um, which, oh, I mean. Man. So many stories about that in and of itself, man. <laughs> uh, I was like, <laughs> sidebar, one of the uh, podcasts that people have suggested that I uh, reach out to about my story has been the Mormon Stories podcast, mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. <laughs> I have refused to partly because I worked with somebody on my mission who is actually a big part of my faith crisis, who is very close to John DeLynn. And I was like, I don't see that going over well if that information ever came out. Oh, shit. Drama. Okay. <laughs> I, try, I try really hard not to badmouth anybody in the community. Um, yeah. Because we all, a, a bit like the church is a small world, I feel like the ex-Mormon community is also kind of a small world. Yeah. And this particular person has done a lot of work in um, championing um, LGBTQIA members' voices, and there's something to be said for that. But on the other hand, he's still very problematic. <laughs> we um, have very similar experiences with people. Um, I'm not going to, obviously, I would never mention any names in particular, but we have had experiences with other ex-Mormon content creators that um, have been less than ideal. I'll just say that. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe when we're not recording, we can chat about who they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we can because I, there were some interactions where all I'm going to say is because it's drunk. Not drunk. I'm not drunk. Tipsy Sarah. I'm not going to say much, but I may or may not have not been the polite person that <laughs> where I was just like, bitch, please, you will not talk to me like that via email. Nope. Bye. Yeah, I had those conversations as a sister missionary. Um, I was kind of like that sister, right? Every mission has the sister that will chew the elders out for being asshats. Hell yes. I was that sister. (laughs) Kate, yes. Good for you. Because I feel like, and you know, there's always that sense of like, it's through email. Maybe they didn't mean it that way. But then I'm like, you know what? No, fuck that. Like, I feel like we live in a time where everyone knows how to be cordial and like professional and especially in certain environments where I'm like, 
no, no, there's no other way of interpreting that. That's just rude. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a, you're going to respect my time. Like, I respect your time. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. All. You can leave the Mormon religion, but you can't always leave the problematic ways of thinking. Kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and I've had a lot of conversations with people about that. And like, I'll just say this for this particular person. Um, one of the things that they talk about that lends credibility to the things that they speak on, which is, I mean, legitimate, um, was that he served as a bishop. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Before he left. Um, and I worked with him when he was a bishop and we had some disagreements on what meetings the missionaries were invited to. And, one in particular was priesthood executive committee, which by the name obviously is <laughs> all the dudes in the ward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> around talking about who needs help. Um, and the mission president kept really pushing that the missionaries needed to be there. And finally, he was like, and sisters, if the missionaries are invited to PEC, you will not be because it's priesthood executive committee. Oh, fuck right what? off. Yeah, because we're elders in the ward, too. Um, <laughs> it's so messed up how they gender everything. Like, if they think that you have a penis, that you're <laughs> invited to have this certain power. It's so uh, weird. I was <laughs> so mad. And it's probably good that I got transferred, like, two weeks later. And now that I think about it, like, there's all this talk about how, you know, it's all by inspiration, right? Who gets transferred when? But I really wouldn't be surprised if maybe he complained about my attitude problem to the mission president, who never said anything. But also at that point, I think <laughs> I it was mean, well known that I would definitely tell people when they were out of line. A hundred percent. I was always that feisty, especially in my teen years and whatnot. And like, even, yeah, I would say like my early days at BYU before I came into like the the full molly mormon transition but i would always question things and have a lot of attitude and sass and i would get told that from bishop member like bi- members of the bishopric but the bishops themselves would call me in for like interviews being like yeah so we we just noticed that your attitude's a bit it's a bit much or you're a bit too sassy and blah 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 and i'm like what like it was always an issue with me so i'm i'm not surprised and then they would find ways of like moving me around so that I would avoid certain people, aka men, who had issues with that. Oh. Uh, as they say, if I'm too much for you, go find less. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I've talked with one of my mission companions. Um, I trained her, and we're still friends. <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, I was really surprised that it took you that long to like figure out that." Oh, because we were talking about the fact that I'm bi, and she's like, "It took you how long to figure that out?" <laughs> I realized that when you were chewing the elders out on our mission ten years ago. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. (laughs) And she did the same, you know, like mother, like daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great influence. Yeah. (laughs) No. Yeah. When she chewed an elder out, I was like, I should be upset, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm proud. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but I have a love of church history, and I always have, and I ended up actually majoring in history, so I was really excited about the fact that Kirtland was in my mission, and getting to go and experience, you know, church history was really cool (laughs) to me, and then I came back from my mission, went back to BYU, where I officially changed my major to history. Okay. Um, And decided that what I really wanted to do long-term was conservation work book and paper conservation. And if I could do it in the church history department, all the better, because I had had experiences um, working for the church off and on when I was um, in college. It was like, including the summer I came home from my mission. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I could do this the rest of my life. And so that was how I decided to major in history, knowing eventually I'd be going to grad school for conservation or archives or something like that and end up in the church history department. That's I love that you loved history so much, and it really shows how much you really, uh, like, absolutely adored church history, that that's Aww. what you went yeah. into. And I, I think that's that's very, that's a cool uh, interest. I think it's yeah, very cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was kind of, I was like, where was my entry point initially in the church history department? Was actually as a summer job. Um, so... At the end of my freshman year, um, I was home for the summer looking for a job. 
because um, I, I think I mentioned I grew up in Utah. Um, so yeah, I was looking for a job for the summer and my brother who was in high school came home and he was like, Hey, so they told us about this really cool opportunity in seminary. Uh, <laughs> we should apply. And the vault was hiring yeah. summer temp employees. Oh my God. Be technicians because they had, um, this was when they were still making microfilm copies and sending them out to, uh, like stake centers and genealogical centers across the world. Um, okay. And so they were really backed up. And so they decided it would be really beneficial to hire um, older teenagers, young college students to work for the summer just um, as technicians pulling and filing microfilm in the back so that everybody else could simply focus on making all of the copies. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, sounds kind of ridiculous, but um, (laughs) they they were really behind at the time. Um, And so my brother and I both applied. (laughs) And he didn't get it, and I did. Oh, oh man! <laughs> he was really upset at first, but now he's like, it has kind of like sent you on your career path. And I was like, yeah, I guess it kind of has. So I guess it was meant to be, you know. <laughs> God knew. God oh, thank knew. you, celestial Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was initially how I got in, and then the. It went, it went so well that they continued to do it for a couple of summers. Um, they didn't hire quite as many the second and third summers, um, but they liked me so much my first summer that I came back the second and third summer. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And then I went on my mission. What was that, Sarah? Sorry, you did three summers? That was yeah. just Okay. Wow. Okay. But, but that was my entry point, but there was more. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah, so when you said that yeah. you like were in the vaults, you weren't just there for a few weeks. Like you were there, you were there. Oh, just wait, just wait. Ah! <laughs> okay. So then, so then I went on my mission. I came back. The summer I came back, I also worked at the vault. Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that, I can't remember if that was summer three or summer four. I lose track because, like I said, I've been in and out of the church history department for years. Mm. Um, and then. After that summer, I stayed down at BYU until I graduated. So I didn't go back while I was in school. Okay. Um, but then right after I graduated, I got an internship, um, not at the vault, but in historic sites. So I was downtown in the um, new at the time church history library. Um, okay. So I was there for a year and I tried to get permanent employment in the department because that was my long-term goal and it didn't work out. And then for a few years, I was in, I did a lot of customer service and retail and, you know, just trying to make ends meet while I was working my husband through his undergrad. Um, Yeah. Met him at BYU, got married in the temple, you know. Oh, damn, the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I said, I was all in. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just trying to make ends meet while I helped him finish his undergrad cause he couldn't work full time. Um, and then I can't, was it, it was like 2018 ish, I think 2017 I'm trying to remember somewhere around there. Um, the vault was hiring again for, um, long-term contract, a two year contract, um, uh, yeah. because they were digitizing for family search mm-hmm. and they were trying really hard to meet their end of year goals um, and so they needed more people to help with digitizing. So <laughs> I applied and I went back for two more years. <laughs> oh my God. You we like when we were starting this podcast, you were working there. That's uh-huh. wild. Um, that was also about the same time I went through my faith crisis. Oh shit. <laughs> which is kind of problematic because then my employment was tied to my church membership. And so I couldn't say anything. <gasps> Oh my God. I didn't realize that it's tied to the church membership. Like if you work in the vault, you have to be an active member. You do. And they will, um, you have to have like BYU, you have to have an ecclesiastical. <gasps> oh, oh my God. To yeah. work there. Okay. So that maybe, maybe like to clarify, because I know when Katie, you did the episode on the vault originally, you were talking about like how they have like summer workers or like occasional workers and Scott with your, your boyfriend or fiance, fiance talking about the story of like, you know, people coming in with like tattoos and having to cover up and stuff. So, Oh, right. That's when he was working at, he was building like the concrete um, sub floor for a temple. 
and they had oh sorry it was a temple not the vault yeah. okay so never yeah. mind never mind i, I mean got the same confused. idea and like they they had done some construction they've remodeled um the front portion of the facility um probably five or six years ago now and yeah that was um well and it's interesting because having spent some time in historic sites i've talked with people who have like monitored the construction crews on temple sites <gasps> You have? Because, yeah, he said that there were the monitors there, that they had the people constantly watching them, no matter yeah. where they were on the on the site. Like, yeah. And, yeah, and, like, this person was over the enti- uh, entire project, so they were not the ones doing the watching, but they were the ones checking in with the watchers and making... Oh, sure my God! <laughs> and so, yeah, when you talked about that, that like, you know, that that is definitely a thing. <laughs> you guys so crazy it's so trippy to me that that's an actual thing and it's creepy as fuck when you when you hear the phrase they're the ones that's in charge of the watchers it's like oh my god it's It's like that netflix series that came out the watcher like it's giving me total (laughs) creep vibes right now what they have a surveillance over everything (laughs) which i mean and I've, i've joked with some of my friends who don't who know very little about the church I know some but not enough and I'm like oh yeah am I probably gonna land myself on the strengthening church members committee radar with this interview very much <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a recent episode right the strengthening yeah. the church members committee a CMC they're watching you always <laughs> <laughs> and I mean to be fair if it's not this it'll be other professional work because I've written I went to grad school and I've written a few papers particularly about archival work in the church history department. Um, and then there's my thesis project, which we can talk about later from my other degree where I made paper out of garments. <gasps> what? <laughs> I'm obsessed. What? <laughs> yeah. So we, we can kind of, I guess, we keep going on about the vault for a little while, but then if yeah. we want to follow it up with uh, where am I at now, we can talk a little <laughs> bit about that. So I was yeah. like, there's a lot of things I've been doing that's probably going to land me on somebody's radar and I really don't care. (laughs) Uh, It's so excited. That means it's going to be good. That's how you know it's going to be good. Whatever you're about to talk about is if uh, you're going to land on someone's radar or the watchers, it's going to be good. Yeah. (laughs) It's worth watching. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, so you do, you do have to be an active member to work for the church and because they are, um, a private corporation, they can do that. Um, and I had to have ecclesiastical endorsements. And I don't know if I ever really sat down in an interview with any of my bishops, but whenever they went through, I had been in that ward long enough that they'd be like, oh yeah, by the way, this came across my desk and I signed it for you. Um, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, so that is a thing. Um, and I think if I remember correctly, I had to give them permission to like regularly check in with my leaders if they felt so inclined. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is so fucking creepy. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's no problem. I'm an active member. I'm never going to leave. So this is fine. (laughs) Yeah. Baby Kate. She just thought she was going to stay forever. (laughs) I did. I did, man. Um, but yeah, so it's, the faith crisis was really hard while I, it was tied to my employment. Um, but fun fact, um, you guys, I have listened to your podcast, granted through headphones, but I've listened to your podcast at the vault. <gasps> that makes me so happy! <laughs> That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. That is so fucking cool. The fact that you're at the vault listening to our podcast. In oh my God. Like I, the only place where it could be even better is like in a temple. <laughs> that is so fucking amazing. I am. A, oh my God. Kate, you're giving me life. <laughs> I'm so glad. So yeah, when I said longtime listener, like I meant it, I found you guys when I went down the rabbit hole in the middle of my uh, shelf breaking moment. Um, mm-hmm. and so there were a couple of different podcasts that I cycled through, but you were, you were one of the main ones. Oh, <laughs> we're so uh, honored. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, so w- when I've been thinking about who I want to talk to about my story, you guys have been high on the list. So it was incredibly, uh, fortuitous, I guess that, yeah, you did an episode on the vault and that it was perfect. It was meant to be, you know, it was almost as if Celestial Jesus was like, this is what needs to happen. 
<laughs> yes. He's blessing us instead of cursing us for one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, what questions do you have about the vault? I mean, everything. What is a day in a life working in the vault? Like, what yeah, would like, you do? What was some, like, weird, quirky? Like, just what? Yeah. Like, what's in there? What's it like? What's the security like? Like, everything. We're so curious. Just tell us everything. <laughs> so, we'll start with the security, because that is kind of a good, great segue into what is a day in the life like. Um, so, I laughed really hard to myself a few years ago when there was that, um, let's storm Area 51, they can't stop us all. Uh-huh. Somebody started a, let's storm the church vaults, they can't stop us all. <laughs> yeah, I saw and, that. Okay, but actually, they can. And here's <laughs> Oh, why. God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. One, there's 24-7 security. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so even when there aren't employees there working, like, there's always a security guard on staff. Um, and this is kind of hard to tell sometimes in downtown Salt Lake when security's all in suits, but a lot of guys in church security are retired police, retired military, who just, you know, need something to do during the day. Yeah. Uh, they're not ready to really be retired, so they go do church security. Um, and church security are the only people on um, church property who are allowed to carry if they are so inclined. Oh, my God. That just, like, gave me such an icky feeling that it's like, yeah, okay, first of all, the, the, the term church security. But then, <laughs> you know, like, how fucking weird and culty. But then they can ca- they can have guns. I'm just like, um, excuse me? What? What yeah. is, yeah. Uh, and there, there were a couple at the vault who uh, did, and it was, they weren't in suits at the vault, they were in polo shirts, so it was a little more obvious. But yeah, there were a couple at the vault that did. Um, and again, these guys are no joke, like, they're pretty serious. Like I said, retired police, retired military. Um, you know, we'd have great conversations with them about all the crazy shit that they got up to in their previous careers, and now they <laughs> work in church security, and it was so chill. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, one, there's always security. Um, Two, just getting into the property is kind of a pain in the ass. Um, There are two different security gates at the bottom of the hill. Oh, Uh, my God. Yeah. One is a regular security gate, like, you know, like a parking gate. Uh, Uh The other one is called a K-gate, which... Um, I believe stands for kinetic gate and its sole purpose is to stop a moving vehicle. And there are different grades, um, but there are some that are strong enough that it will separate a cab from a semi-truck. Holy shit. It's not that big because it's a pretty steep hill to get up there. So that, and a semi is not going to fit up that Canyon. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there's one of those. And when they finally got it working, I was working there, and they were like, do not, do not try to tailgate. You have to stop and wait for the car in front of you to go through. You have to wait for the arms to come down before you badge in for it to go back up again. And do not mess with this. It will total your car. Oh, Oh my God. God. Like, the levels that they're going to keep things, whatever, protected. It's It's insane. The security is insane. This yeah. is, like, giving me, like, White House vibes. Yeah. One <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. fact, I'm actually in D.C. for the summer, so, like, have I been dealing with security all summer long, too? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My first couple days, everybody was, like, complaining about it, and I was like, eh, par for the course for me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm used yeah. to this shit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I have a government job right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Which is ending, though. I'm very sad it's ending. I'm not staying in D.C. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, my, my first day in um, orientation and they were talking about all these do's and don'ts. I was like, oh, my God, this sounds like church employment. <laughs> That's wild. I love that wow. connection of like how the church is is it's just so structured. It's such a corporation. Right. And it's, it's so like the, gover- the government and they have all these all these things in place to just like, ah, it blows my mind. And they have so much they're spending so much money on this shit. When they're they're not helping like the general public or their members that much. Oh, but they donate to charities, Katie. Duh. No. And that was one of my shelf breakers really was the fact that I tried so hard to get permanent church employment and I couldn't. And turns out it wasn't because they couldn't afford me, it's because they didn't want to. 
Right, right, right. They're they're spending their money elsewhere or hoarding it in hedgehogs. And I I worked with a lot of missionaries in my time in church employment, um, which was, if they could, kind of their preference. The problem is, is that because of the turnover, training is really difficult. So you have to have somebody permanent in charge of training. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so yeah, that was, that was one of, um, when the $100 billion leak came out, because at the time it was $100 billion, um, yeah. was right after my time at the vault had ended. Um, and yeah. I was that was part of why I was so upset about it. Um, and it was interesting because my parents were talking to me about that. And my mom was like, yeah, you know, that I could understand, though. I could see why you would be upset about that as somebody who's tried mm-hmm. to work at the church and can't and finds it to find out that they could afford to keep me if they'd wanted to. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so security cards, K gates, um, and then there's two, three doors you have to badge in at the front of the building. There's the main gate or the main door. There's a like gate right in between the door and the elevator. And then depending on the time of day, um, the gate, the door to the stairs and or the elevator may not be open yet. So you might also have to badge through that. This is so excessive. <laughs> yeah. And then there's two and then upstairs when you're like actually in the vault proper, right? This is all just the entry. Oh my god. This yeah. is just the entry. Yes. Yes. This is just the entry. So when you finally get upstairs <laughs> to the vault proper, there are then you're two like sets of fire doors. Is <laughs> there just say you're 70 years older? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Oh yeah. Pray to God you don't forget something in your car to, <laughs> to get back down there. Oh my God. Yeah, I, would just, back in. I would have been fired the second day because I forget shit all the time. But I'd be like, oh, I forgot this. Oh, oh fuck well, it. Well, and then my dad let me in and out, so it wasn't a problem. It was but just a pain. Just annoying. Yeah. 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 And like the time that I thought I had bought a brand new lipstick and then I couldn't find it in my purse and it was July. And I was like, I'm not leaving that in my car if that's where oh, I Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that's stupid. You know, hundred degrees in the parking lot and like fifty degrees in the back of the vault. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And you're like, I'm not leaving that that lipstick to melt. Oh. <laughs> Uh, or leaving my headphones because when you're doing monotonous work like digitizing, you need to have something to keep you entertained. Like uh, us. Hey. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but then there's two sets of fire doors in the hallway upstairs. And generally during business hours, the second set just stays open. Um, but every now and then, for some reason, they have to close them and <laughs> have to badge through both sets. God. <laughs> So and then then you're in the vault, but then there's all the storage in the back, which is a whole other story. Oh my god! Oh wow. my god! So, so that's what just does it to look like desk. inside. Like, is it like how I imagine a vault would look like, or is it you can't really tell it's a vault? You really can't. Um, the walls are corrugated steel. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So so like the, they're pretty beefy, but like they're walls. It's not rock. There's only one spot in the vault that is still bare rock. Uh, <gasps> yeah, which we'll get to. Don't worry. <laughs> OK, OK, OK. So most of it doesn't actually look like a vault, but the only windows are at the very front of the facility, like the front wall. Um, those are the only windows in the entire building. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had to do we had to do fire drills where we went out those doors to make sure we could get out them oh yeah yeah oh yeah um so yeah so that that um was just the security i had to go through to get to my desk okay um and then when i went back for the two years i did not work in the back um and they've made some changes to it since the time that I have, but I know what those changes are. So we can talk about that. So when I was there for the summer, I was in and out of the back all the time. Um, and there is like a vault door with the big wheel. Um, <gasps> yes. I was hoping there was one of those. <laughs> there is, but they usually don't close it. Oh, okay. Well, um, if they do, and I think they do now, they close it at the end of the day um, with everything stored behind it. Um, but during the day it's open. Um, but there's, uh, there's a steel door, like a fireproof door, um, before that door. So I would badge into the steel door and I would go through and then the vault door was open. Um, and then I was in the main hallway for, um, the back storage area. 
Um, since then, I think they've added one more door um, after the vault door um, that also requires a badge and it's a glass door. And I think that is just there for environmental environmental control mm-hmm. um, since it is a controlled environment for archival purposes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So that door is not so much <laughs> security, but for environment, which they don't <laughs> have to do a lot of in the vault, which is really nice. And that was kind of the part of the reason that they built it where they did in addition to the fact that it was built in the 60s at the height uh, of the So yeah. that was part of it. But then the other part of it was that um, it's ideal in archival storage to have low humidity and colder temperatures. Mm, yeah. So yeah. the vault, the mountain vault is nice because there's very little they have to do to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty consistently 55 degrees in the back without adjusting any of um, the AC. Uh. Right Sounds like a dream. Transport me there. It kind of uh, was, actually. And, like, yes, in the middle of July, I was wearing hoodies at work because it was so cold in the back. But I loved it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, and then in the back, there is one long hallway, and I can't remember how long it is. I have details somewhere I'd have to track down. Um, I have a lot of stuff in storage right now. And I think all of my vault stuff is part of that. Otherwise I would have pulled it out for this episode. Um, (laughs) But there is one long hallway. And then off of that are six doors um, to individual storage rooms, which are still massive. Like um, the Deseret News, I think has um, published some pictures of people working in the vault and it's just like giant filing cabinets and you can see it goes on forever and ever and ever. Oh my God. That's, I mean, what it looks like (laughs) for the most part. What, so those six storage rooms, were they organized for a certain reason? Like were they significant or was it just like one, two, three, four, five, six and alphabetical order of artifacts and documents? Yeah. So it's mostly microfilm. Uh, Okay which um, has each one has a seven digit um, barcode number. Um, and so it was arranged um, numerically. Okay. So like vault A is film zero, 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 one through whatever fits in there. It's a lot. Um, and actually one of my summers there, they got new cabinets that fit more film. And so one of the things that we worked on was shifting everything around and changing all of the, tags that said what numbers were where oh my god <laughs> which is a lot of work and and that is just like a general library thing and to, you know and so i guess great experience to put on my resume for library work hey I have yeah to- yeah <laughs> <collection> <laughs> movement. um <laughs> but like sorry maybe i'm jumping ahead so when you started the job you had obviously from the church point of view like ecclesiastical endorsement and all that stuff but did you also have to like did they make you sign a legal like nda saying that like whatever you found in the the vault or whatever you saw you weren't allowed to talk about um i never signed one for the vault specifically um i did sign one that wasn't so much an nda as it was uh if there was anything I knew about that wasn't public knowledge yet. I wasn't allowed to share that. What? Okay. Had to All right. Announcements and things like that. So like, actually, when I was working in historic sites, <laughs> I've known about the construction on the Salt Lake Temple for years now. I've known since 2014, wow. uh, which is when they first started doing research on what it would take to seismically upgrade the Salt Lake Temple while maintaining the historic foundation. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't allowed to say anything because... The prophet hadn't said anything yet. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, just hadn't had his revelation yet. <laughs> yeah, how fucking suspect is that? Like we, I mean, of course they do it. It's so so Mormon, where it's like, oh, we're telling you the truth, and it is the truth. It's just not in the chronological order, or it's not the whole. Like we we chose not to tell you the whole truth because when they say stuff at general conference it's always made to sound as if they just received revelation from the Lord the last month or so that this, these are the new temples that they're building. Not that they've known for years and they're just now disclosing it to the rest of the members. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and let's see, they've redone a couple of historic sites too. Um, they, a while back redid um, Harmony, Pennsylvania. Um, and I knew about that and I wasn't allowed to say anything until it had um, 
I think I was work. I, I, they announced that when I was actually on my mission and I was finally be like, I can talk about what they're going to do. Cause they talked about it at a department meeting and I wasn't allowed to say anything. Um, and same with Nauvoo there. And I think they finally announced that they're, um, redoing some stuff in Nauvoo. And again, I've known about that since 2014 because part of my internship when I was with historic sites was working on stuff for that Nauvoo project. Holy shit. This is, this is proof right here, everybody that, it's not necessarily, it's actually never revelation f- to the prophets. Like oh. people, people know about stuff that's going to happen way before it does. <laughs> well, end quote revelation. Like they don't announce it for years until. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, wow. Okay. I mean, we know this stuff. Katie, I obviously know this, but it's crazy to hear that it's legit. Like it's just, a huge corporation in the back scene, like the background, yeah. like that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, super Mormon me didn't even question that. I was just like, yeah, totally. <laughs> You're yeah. like, sure, sure. I'll keep this secret for a while. Cool. <laughs> and, and, and that was again, one of my shelf items when I was working back in 2018 and going through my faith crisis. And I was really seeing for the first time how much they acted like a corporation when it was convenient and acted like a church when it was convenient. And that really bothered me. And I wasn't sure what to do with that cognitive dissonance, especially because see previous comments about how my employment was tied to that. And I couldn't afford to not be employed because I was the reason that we had health insurance. And for a time, I was the only one working because my husband quit his job at one point while I was working anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so heavy. You're so heavily reliant upon the church, not even just because of church reasons, but employment, everything like your whole life. Yeah. 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 So I definitely kept a lot of things to myself. I did speak up on a couple of things that really bothered me. Um, and they weren't specific to the vault. They were um, church employment as a whole. But like church health insurance doesn't cover birth control. What? Oh, fuck off. I. Oh, of and course I, it doesn't. I found out um, when I went to renew the prescription I already had, and it was suddenly $300 instead of being free. Yeah. And I had. Oh my God. (sighs) So I opted not to take it. And then I talked to my doctor, who thankfully I was living in Utah County. And so my um, OBGYN was really great because they worked with so many BYU students that she knew how to jump through all of the hoops for DMBA. Um, And they will cover it or partially cover it depending on a the prescription and b if you have a proven medical need and bad cramps don't count (gasps) okay you know what a proven medical need you know what ah i'm raging i'm raging you don't need a proven medical need to not want to get pregnant ah um and i i have endometriosis and i had had the diagnostic surgery under previous health insurance okay Uh, so I had it in my medical records that I had a proven medical need to be on birth control, um, but they wouldn't approve what I had been on. And so I ended up with an IUD, which they only partially covered. And I had to pay for the rest of that out of pocket while my husband didn't have a job. Wow. I am livid. I am so fucking angry right now. And also, I, like, I'm glad you brought this up because that's some a facet of Mormonism that I've never thought about. Employment. Me uh, being an being an employee of the Mormon Church, and they do not cover women's health care. Yeah, like, and I and I spoke up about it. I was pissed. I talked to HR, um, and they're you know, of course, they're like, we'll pass on your concerns, but there's apparently some loophole with Obamacare that if they partially cover, they are then beholden to all of Obamacare requirements, and so it's an all or nothing kind of thing, and so they just don't. Wow. Wow. A lot of women who need it, if either because they are working for the church or their husbands are working for the church, a lot of women have to use Planned Parenthood, which I have no problem with, but a lot of those people do. And some of their stuff, well, I need birth control um, and the church won't give it to me. So my only option is to go to an institution that I also don't support. So what do I do? Right. Because Planned Parenthood is, is I, I love and support Planned Parenthood. Let me be clear. But the right. like Mormons, it's super taboo. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's like you do not support that, whatever, when you're a Mormon. So, oh, my God. Yeah. They put them in such a hard position there. My yeah. mouth is on the floor. I'm still like, I feel like I'm five minutes previous still in the conversation. Like, I still haven't like, caught up really where I'm like, what? Because also it's, you know, if they're going to do employment, 
as the church, you know, first of all, they should pay incredibly well because we know how much money they fucking have and it should be permanent jobs, but also the health insurance and the benefits should be through the roof because they should want to have the very, very best as a religious organization. That's all about, you know, charity and for the benefit of other and love and blah, blah, blah. Like, what the fuck like spend the money to make sure like that it's just it's there's nothing more to it than a corporation that's all the church is and all this is further proof i mean as an employer that's that's how they're clearly seeing it yeah yeah and i was i was pissed i was like don't tell me that family planning is between me my spouse and the lord because now that i work for the church it's between me my spouse the lord and the 15 old white men who sit on the board of dmba which by the way on the board is not public information because i looked i found out that they weren't gonna i was like who is making these decisions and i could not get that information because guaranteed there is somebody from the quorum of the 12 who is sitting on that board oh guaranteed yeah yeah these old white men are determining the health and and even the like the lives the, the actual life or death situation for many women um in in their their health care and their family planning like fuck off i'm so mad oh my god <laughs> yeah and and i don't know if it if i would have reacted the same if i had found that out when i was working for the church when i was single because when i did yeah when i started working for the church i was 19 um and i was still on my parents' insurance, so I never used those benefits. Um, it was also temporary employment, so I don't know that I qualified. But even if I had, I didn't use them because I was on my parents' insurance still. Right, right. And, and I was a single, good little BYU girl. I didn't need birth control. No, of course not. I, mean, I did for my endometriosis, but I opted to not. And anyway, so yeah, I didn't realize any of this until I was married and working for the church. And then I was I was pissed. And I yeah. it. Um, and you know, found out that I had several other coworkers who were really upset about it too, but nobody was saying anything. Well, wow. yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's also like we said, it's really taboo for anyone, but especially a woman to speak up and, and speak out and voice her concerns. It's like, yeah. Well, and I bet it's also like, you know, you have the guilt in the church all the time that you have to be grateful for all your blessings and everything that comes in your life is because of God and blah, blah, blah. And then I just imagine working for the church and feeling like I could never, ever complain because obviously I should be grateful, but especially grateful that I'm working for the church and that the Lord bless me to work at the church. Institute. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would never, ever complain or think anything wrong of, of church employment because you're supposed to just be hashtag grateful. <laughs> and happy with and everything. It's interesting that you say that because yeah, there is a training video. I don't know if they still use it, but I watched it several times in my course of you know return employment. Um, that talks about the blessings of church employment that Elder Bednar does, and there's some metaphor with a pair of scissors, and that's really all I remember. Um, but really, the whole point is that like what a blessing church employment is because it's it's not just a calling and it's more than a job or something like that. Was the oh my god. <laughs> Into it. They, they will leverage anything, especially yeah. if it means that they can get more workforce for cheaper, basically, or to cut costs if they can say like, oh, but this is a benefit, just like how they do with like running the church in general, that it's all quote unquote voluntary, blah, 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 like, and you give up so much of your time. It's because they don't have to pay you to do it. Any other like mainstream Christian religion pays for like preachers and other people who work in the church. Mormons don't not, not on the low, like the lower levels, obviously prophets and apostles and stuff like that. But the church is just like notorious about give your time and resources and everything for free. We don't want to pay you and be thankful because it's a blessing. Exactly. So even if I were still in the church, I probably wouldn't want to return to church employment because um, they don't, they don't, the pay is, Okay. Um, depending on the position, at least in my field, it's not terrible. But the problem is, is that um, I there's a lot of competition because everybody wants to work there because it's such a blessing. Uh, <laughs> and so I would be overqualified for any position I would be in. Um, mm-hmm. And if I was upset that I wasn't getting paid enough, well, it doesn't matter because there's somebody else who will gladly work there. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Anyway, I was like, we're, I think we got sidetracked at one, we were initially talking about what was in the vault and then, yes. yeah. 
what? started talking about oh. birth control and benefits yeah. for the church, <laughs> which is still yeah. an issue. And don't get me wrong, it's something that I'm I'm glad that we're talking about because it needs to be talked about more. Oh hell yeah, yeah. that's that's not vault specific. That's just church employment as a whole. Um, but uh, yeah, so most of what's in the vault is microfilm. Um, and it's a lot of stuff that will aid in genealogical work. So it's probate records and newspapers. And I mean, there's some wild, wild stuff. Um, one project we were working on, um, I liked kind of looking through the images just to see what the project was. And we were kind of discouraged from like reading in depth, but it's also really hard to do quality control without like looking at the image. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See what we were working on. And there was something that was in German and I noticed a swastika stamp on <gasps> the, and I was like, what is this? And it turns out what it was, was um, identification booklets from World War II. Oh my God. It's government stamps. Um, and I knew this partly because we actually, um, my mom has my great grandmothers from when she was a German citizen during the war. Yeah. Um, so I've seen these books and that's why I knew what it was. And then I also speak a little bit of German. So I was able to tell that it was, um, there's always like a tablet that talks about what the type of records are, um, what the project is. And so it was something along the lines of like birth records or something like that. Um, but they were, yeah, from a world war two era. So there were government stamps on it. Wow. That's crazy. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. That's probably the wildest, uh, like, project I've seen there um and then there's yeah. a lot of film that's um kind of useless there's apparently like veterinary records that have been filmed stuff like that it's so interesting to me that there's so many like you said there's just vast 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 like rooms that almost seem never ending of just all of these records of whatever it might be newspapers or whatever kind of record and it's like it, it's so interesting that they're just keeping all of these and they're, they're so locked down. It's like, well, I, I, I don't know. Bulk of what's there, but there are two vaults that have other things. Oh God. Yes. Yes. Tell us. <laughs> I was just about to say yeah. like, they have that it's all locked down for microfilm. <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with the smaller stuff first. There is one vault um, that is part of it is storage space for BYU and they have extraneous stuff up there. I'm not sure what. And then there's a portion that they actually like rent out to other institutions. What? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Wow. More uh-huh. uh-huh. just making that money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's that vault. Um, but then there's the um, high security vault. Uh-huh. Which, <laughs> which um requires i think now it also requires a fingerprint it didn't when i first started working there but it's like a it's like a movie i know i was literally just thinking in my head this is like a movie where i'm I'm totally visualizing it right now yeah what the number of times that people have told me my life seems like a movie and i'm like for good or bad you might be right Um, yeah, so you have to badge in with your security badge. You have to um, give them your fingerprint. And then you have to pick up a phone that's right there and call security and let them know, hey, I'm opening this door. Oh, huh? my God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what's in there is a hodgepodge of everything. It's the kind of room that when you think of like an archive or a library you think national treasure, like that's what that room looks like. It's just stuff. Oh my God. Whoa. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. The stuff really varies. So, and like, so I've had a few tours back there and they let us kind of poke around while we're in there. And they also showcase a few things that they're excited to show us. Um, so some of the things that I know are there are um, ledgers from temple work at the first 12 temples when things were still kept by hand. Uh, so those and they're like the big like you know 12 by 18 size ledger books they're huge cool they have glass records of the mormon tabernacle choir what Uh, yeah glass yeah that's whoa wow Um, they every time they translate the book of mormon into a new language they put a blue book copy so like the cheap blue book copy but they keep one up at the vault um, oh. 
So the defense thing is interesting. Like they still have that translation. Because uh, they might have to change it, you know. So you <laughs> yeah. They have to say, oh, we didn't mean to translate it like that. Like that really means this and not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, those are, they have, and then they have just all sorts of random stuff. So, like, we found once um, some meeting minutes from a priesthood meeting where they spent the whole meeting talking about whether or not it was okay to be talking about the subject at hand. I don't remember what the subject was. I was just going to ask what the subject. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but something totally, like, innocuous, and the whole meeting was, are we allowed to be talking about this? Are we allowed to be spending meeting time talking about this? That was the whole, point. That was the whole extent of that particular meeting. Oh, my God, and that's Matt Vault. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, what cracks us up was that this was in, like, you know, early days of Utah, and, gee, precept meetings haven't changed much. <laughs> <laughs> They've got... Uh, one of the things that they showed us was um, Parley P. Pratt's copy of the Book of Mormon, oh. apparently, which um, is stamped with his initials on the front cover. So it's a first edition Book of Mormon that belonged to Parley P. Pratt. Um, so they PPP. Yeah, it's PPP Pratt. PPP Pratt. I'm always and forever going to refer to him as PPP Pratt now. have in the high security vault they say is either redundant so there's a copy in downtown salt lake already and they don't need two copies so they put the second copy up at the vault or it's stuff that is so rare that they don't want it downtown um and so partly p pratt's book of mormon is one of those however i have some suspicions about particularly um partly p pratt's book of mormon and probably a lot of other things that are in the high security vault and that that uh, it might be a Mark Hoffman forgery. <gasps> now, completely oh unofficial. It's just my gut feeling, but I want to know why something that important they wouldn't be talking about more, and why it's up at the vault. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first time I actually saw that Book of Mormon was in the conservation lab in Salt Lake when it was um, being repaired. And then I know for a while that they had it on display in the library under like a glass case. Like, you know, you go to um, special collections libraries and they often have a display of some of the cool stuff from their collections. Yeah. The same. Um, and so shortly after they finished repairing Parley P. Pratt's Book of Mormon, they then displayed it in Salt Lake. Um, and I'm pretty sure there was an article about it. I can't find the news article. It's not downtown anymore. It's not on display. So I have some questions. <laughs> I do too, and I think you're onto something. Yeah, uh, but oh but the church, if they have stuff that they suspect is a Mark Hoffman forgery, they refuse to test it. Oh they don't even. <laughs> the Mark Hoffman stuff. If listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It's it's way back there. But yeah, Mark Hoffman forged a, a shit ton of stuff, and the church paid him a lot of money. Um, that's I I I didn't even think that like it could be going so much further than what we actually know about what he forged it could yeah. there could be so oh, much more oh i've talked to somebody i've talked to a conservator who um has come across what they think are probably mark hoffman forgeries and the number of stuff in the collection that is probably a mark hoffman forgery is probably up in the thousands <gasps> holy shit that dude was busy yeah. he was so smart and the church just so dumb i love it i absolutely love it yeah, no power of discernment there for a while, huh? <laughs> well, and then it's so funny because in a full circle moment, um, I have spent a lot of time this summer talking about Mark Hoffman um, because the government job that I have um, happens to be at a very large library in D.C. Um, where Mark Hoffman tried to sell a few things. Oh, I, yes, I remember how he, he did that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, and, I, and I'm intentionally not naming the library because obviously I am not speaking as a library employee. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> not at no. all. Not at all. No. Uh, but um, yeah, my very first week um, in an info session and all about the library, they told the Mark Hoffman story to all oh. of you interns. Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> and, 
Then, of course, everybody was asking all of these questions. And I've been obsessed with Mark Hoffman for years. I mean, the first time I heard about Mark Hoffman was when I was working for the church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a conservator mentioned it. I was like, well, I want to know more about this. And so I looked into it. Um, anyway, so yeah, so they told the story of Mark Hoffman and people were asking all of these questions. And I'm like, here, let me tell you all about it. Oh, and here's this Netflix <laughs> documentary. Oh, here's an article about how this forgery went up for auction a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, I'll tell you all the things. <laughs> well, that's so funny because there was somebody else in the, in the group who... Um, is from Salt Lake. This is one of the things we had to do was talk about where we were from and what project we were working on in every single one of these sessions. And she was like, I'm a Mormon and this isn't this doesn't uh, describe all Mormons. And then there's me who's like, here's all the tea. Oh my God. This does <laughs> I love that you were also there. This doesn't describe all Mormons. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you all the things. <laughs> like move aside, Kaylee spelled KZ54321. Like, let me tell you the truth. Thank yeah. you. So oh. a couple weeks later, um, we were all doing an in-person tour and somebody was talking about that particular moment. I was like, oh yeah, that was me. <laughs> So much about Mark Hoffman. And so I talked about my time working in the church vaults and they were like, what are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm probably doing a podcast interview about it later this summer. Actually. Yes. Yes. I, I love that you brought that up because I honestly would have never thought about that. Like ever. Me either. But that would explain why it's in the super top secret vault that you have this extra security. Cause I was thinking like, what would they even have in there? But it's true. They don't want anyone to know because then that completely crumbles their foundation of the church and like church history. I bet they have like, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can correct me, but like random things from Joseph Smith or the whole like church history that would completely debunk the church and the doctor and if anyone knew about it. So they have to make sure they store it in this secret, like top, top secret vault, you know, to make sure mm-hmm. it never comes out. Mm-hmm. And that room is so huge that unless you have access to those records, there's no way you're going to know that it's there. Oh, my God. I mean, good archival management is every item has a number and it has a spot on the shelf and you can go look in the records and figure out where it is. Um, but those are not public records. So, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Oh, but my God. It's something that I've written about in some of my um graduate school papers because I just graduated with my degree in library science. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Nice work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've, uh, in a few of my archival papers have chosen, um, the church history library as like a case study. Mm, love that. Love so. that. Um, I, I don't want to rush you, but we are like nearing the hour mark. And I, I, I do not want to miss the garment, the garment uh, story. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, I, while I was also getting my library degree, I was also getting an MFA in bookbinding. Um, and because it's an MFA, I had to do a final art project. Uh-huh. Um, and long story short, partway through my program, a lot of the work I started doing, um, talked about my faith crisis. Um, and in a paper making class, I took, um, we made paper out of um, cotton t-shirts. Okay. And so I had this idea that maybe I could try making paper out of garments. I mean, if it's 100% cotton, it would function exactly the same way as any other cotton t-shirt. There's just this whole component that they're garments. Yeah. Um, and so I had that idea. And then I took a second class from this professor and it was all on contemporary topics. And one of the assignments that we had was uh, called an alchemical assignment. And so what we had to do was think about the um, fibers that we were using in our pulp and how that changed the meaning of the piece. So this got into more fine art than it did um, craft. And mm-hmm. so that, I was like, you know what? I want to make paper out of garments. Uh, <gasps> wow. And then, <laughs> and really, if you look at the guidelines for garment disposal, um, there's nothing against the rules technically about making paper out of it because once you <laughs> make it sacred like you can use them for cleaning rags right uh, the part that matters is that i didn't remove the marks before I yes them <laughs> in a gigantic beater make paper out of them and then 
Yeah, for my M- for my MFA project, I made paper out of garments and then um, I painted images on it from a landscape that has a lot of meaning to me. And then I letterpress printed my internal dialogue from my faith crisis in the landscape. Whoa, oh. that's amazing. Oh, my God. Do you have a photo of this that you can share with us? I mean, if you don't want it to, to share with everyone, we don't need to, but I want to see it. <laughs> I, do. Um, I have a couple of pictures on my Instagram. I have a whole album that I actually need to upload and I just haven't yet um i haven't talked a whole lot publicly about uh my project partly because i'm afraid of uh what like my family how they'll feel because they're all in um but actually so the person that i've been living with during my internship this summer is a member um and i showed her my project and she was like you know even those of us that are still in but kind of nuanced really resonate with what you're saying oh that's really great wow yeah, so that that made me feel a lot a lot better um so yeah i'm happy to share pictures and um yeah if you're if you're if you're into it we can share your instagram too but yeah oh yeah, for sure yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah. very cool that ah i I love that so, 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 so much. There's so much deep meaning to that. And I feel like that's a wonderful, not only outlet, but like for other people to see and resonate with. I just think that's, that's absolutely wonderful. Very cool. It's it's amazing. Like it's so, obviously it's just like really creative and what you were going for, but symbolic on so many levels. And I'm sure like therapeutic for you to go through that process and then create this thing, you know, this, this project that represents so many different layers for you and mm-hmm. has so much symbolism. It's amazing. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I yeah. had to talk a little bit about that with my public talk and there were some moments where I was sitting on the studio floor in tears while I was working on the yeah. project. It was yeah. very therapeutic and I needed it, but yeah. So anyway, that's the brief story of my garment paper. Oh, thank you. I, I, I I'm like, it. I'm bummed that the hour is up, honestly, because I feel like we just scratched the surface with you. Um, and I feel like we could continue on talking all day long. So th- thank you for being on, though. And thank you for sharing. This has been yes. I, like I, I'm so fucking pumped about everything that you said. <laughs> I think I'm going to like leave this episode and just like because I have like, as I mentioned before, we have a friend over right now and I can hear. I can hear my little baby downstairs making lots of whiny noises, but I'm excited to go down and be like, guys, listen to this. <laughs> yes. I cannot wait to share this crazy story. Um, so thank you so much. And I feel like, yeah, like Katie said, we barely touched, you know, got really deep in all of this stuff. So we might have to have you on for round two. We might need another one. Yeah, I feel I'm like so down so for that. More. Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Everyone stay tuned for another round with Kate because this has been absolutely mwah, chef's kiss. Thank you so much. Yes. You're thank welcome. You. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll be back next week. We'll be Bye. back. Bye.